The Gospel reading is from Mark, chapter 6, reading in two parts. Firstly, verse 30 to 34, and then 53 to 56. The apostles gathered round Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they hadn't even had chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them, ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. When they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret and anchored there. As soon as they got out of the boat, people recognized Jesus They ran throughout that whole region and carried the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went, into villages, towns, or countryside, they placed the sick in the marketplaces. They begged him to let him touch even the edge of his cloak, and all who touched him were healed. Thanks be to God. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 to 22. Therefore, remember that formerly you are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, that done in the body by the hands of men. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace, and in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. 
and in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. This is the word of the Lord. People often ask me what was he like? What was the main thing that you took away from meeting him? If you were to sum him up in one word, what would it be? Those are daft questions, aren't they? I mean, how could you? How could you sum up someone so extraordinary in just a word, dashed off a random response? It doesn't, can't do justice to the Jesus that I knew. So, here's more than one word. Unpredictable. Infuriating. Wonderful, powerful, radical, unexpected, but perhaps most of all, compassionate. I don't think I've ever met anyone as kind as he was. How can I explain it? Well, there's that time we were fresh back from our first missionary expedition. We'd been sent out, traveling light, going from place to place, and we were so excited to be back. The things we'd seen, the people we'd met, all the things we'd said and done. But we were also exhausted. I mean, I don't know how he did it, day in and day out, being open to people all the time, being available to people every minute of the day. It's the most tiring thing I think I'd ever experienced. We were telling him all about it, words tumbling over one another, each of us talking over the others, and there were people still coming to him, as always, surrounded by a crowd. I want this. Do that. Give me this. He could tell we were tired, worn out. So he told us to go and get some rest. He'd hear more later. Can you see, thinking of us even when surrounded by this sea of human need, and they were always there, that crowd, but he was always open to them, always kind, always full of compassion. I think that's what I remember most, because it's what made him different. It's not the same with us, is it? There's always weariness or fear or suspicion or hatred. There's always people we don't want to spend time with, people we put up walls against. Perhaps they look different, speak or act or behave differently. Whatever it is, there's always someone, isn't there? Some group that we find difficult to love, hard to be kind to, that wasn't Jesus. All was kindness and compassion. Everyone was treated the same. Respect, love, openness, engagement. He was the same with everyone. Completely, unremittingly, extraordinarily compassionate. That's what I remember. And that's why I try in my own halting, 
failing and flailing way to do as well. It's not easy. Some thoughts of Thomas, the disciple, imagined by Reverend Paul Glass, to whom I am grateful. It's interesting, isn't it, to think of this? Because that reading, and this is one of the challenges we have when we try and divide up the Bible to read through the lectionary, one of the challenges we have because very often they start in peculiar places. The apostles gathered around Jesus and told Him all that they had done and taught, is in this translation the first sentence. Now, I, can't, can't, I forgot to check who had preached here last Sunday, but if they followed the, uh, the lectionary, which was a bit of a challenge, I have to tell you, it was uh, Herod and the death of John the Baptist. Did they do that last Sunday? Right, okay. So, it's a bit difficult when you've heard about Herod and the death of John the Baptist that the apostles gathered around Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. But the sneaky bit is, of course, that before we hear the story of the death of John the Baptist, there's a very short amount in Mark's Gospel here about the mission of the Twelve, about them being sent out and told to take nothing with them other than their absolute needs and to rely on the grace of God and the generosity of those that they would meet. That's what they were talking about. And the twelve had come back from a, a pretty tough mission, really. But the thing that they'd found and the thing that they really surprised them was people cared for them along the way. They saw many amazing things and received hospitality. And so they came back having put their heart and soul into their mission and were desperate to tell Jesus just how well it had gone. But humanity intervened. Humanity intervened. While they were talking to Jesus, the place filled up with people who wanted, needed, desperately desired something from Jesus. So, Jesus said to them on this translation, come away to a deserted place all by yourselves and rest a while. And they went away in the boat to a deserted place by themselves. Does this ring any bells? Five minutes peace. Jesus, recognizing the need in his disciples, was looking for five minutes peace. And here's the sneaky bit Did he get his five minutes peace? Right, well, for those of us that are still awake, I refer you to the Gospel reading, which had a few clues in it about whether or not 
Jesus got his five minutes peace. Okay. I'm not doing the worship for you. You have to join in. It's like drawing teeth. No, thank you, Richard. Right, we can all go home now. I just felt like I should come and say, I don't care how long I stand here. Jesus maybe got some peace for the disciples in the boat, but of course he was talking to them and listening to them as they bubbled over with everything they'd done, experienced, seen, everything that had happened in those times while they were away on mission. And they had to tell him. So Jesus didn't get any peace in the boat, did he? And what happens when they get to the other side? Well, I don't know what was wrong with the sat-nav, but they didn't end up in a deserted place, did they? No, is the answer. That's a clue. They didn't end up in a deserted place, and they didn't end up in a deserted place because the people worked out where they were going, and they all ran round the edge of the lake. Can you imagine the reaction of the disciples as they were pulling onto the shore and they saw this sea of people waiting for them to arrive. To quote Mr. Victor Meldrew, I don't believe it! But Jesus was filled with compassion. And he felt sorry for the people. And he stepped off the boat and began to minister to them. Now, there's a phrase in this reading, a sheep without a shepherd. Jesus saw them as sheep without a shepherd. Now, if you go back to the Old Testament and read that, this phrase pops up time and time again. Sheep without a shepherd. And generally, that means a nation without a ruler, a king to lead them. A nation that was in need of a leader. Now, thinking of our contemporary world, can you think of any nations that you might feel absolutely need a good, strong leader right now? No, neither can I. You know what's a problem with this biblical picture of the sheep without a shepherd for us today? In biblical times, when the shepherd wanted to move the sheep, what did the shepherd do? The shepherd went first. The shepherd literally led the sheep. The shepherd went and called to the sheep, and the sheep followed the shepherd. Absolutely fine. The sheep followed along with the shepherd. In our modern world, when I talk about sheep and shepherds, what is the picture in your mind of how the shepherd gets the sheep to go where they want them to go? It's one man and his dog, isn't it, really? It come by, come by. 
and the dog's doing all, have you noticed that? The dog's doing all the work. The shepherd's standing still. Oh, to be fair to the shepherd, they occasionally lift their crook up like this, don't they? And then at the end, they walk ever so proudly to the gate of the pen, don't they? And the dog brings the sheep round and gets the sheep into the pen, and the shepherd goes, like they've done all the work. But what about you and me? When we go into our daily lives, we're surrounded by sheep without a shepherd. We're surrounded by people in the real world who are missing something, who are looking for something, who are desperate to be valued as an individual, who are desperate to understand that someone loves them that someone cares, that someone will help when they need help. And I sometimes feel, I don't know about you, but I sometimes feel that I'm the sort of shepherd that is seeing these sheep in need. And my first thought is, run away. Whatever you do, don't get involved. Don't go that you can't do anything about that. You can't change their situation. You can't make the slightest difference to those individuals. Do you know people like that, apart from me? Or am I the only one? Perhaps I'm the only one. We're going to pray, pray in our prayers of intercessions. We're going to pray for the world. Do you ever sit there like me when we're praying for the world in our intercessions and we're praying for places where people are in desperate need and wonder, why am I doing this? Because it's not going to make any difference. The stewards will come rushing down the aisle in a minute and carry me out kicking and screaming. Sometimes we do. We feel overwhelmed. We feel we can't possibly do anything for people's circumstances. In the real world, there are people who are struggling. There are people who are only just beginning to get by. There are people who look as though they're quite held together and competent. There are people who are lonely. After my father died, some months afterwards, I was talking to my mother and said, how are you getting on? I said, oh, I'm fine. I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. And I said, it must be difficult after, you know, dad was around for 60 years. So it must be difficult getting used to that. And she said, yes. She said, but I don't mind being alone. To be fair, I don't mind being alone. It's the loneliness I can't stand. I don't mind being alone. It's the loneliness I can't stand.
Now, one of the problems that we have for people is that very often we feel that we can't make much impact on their particular situation. Unfortunately, most of us, perhaps unlike the apostles who were so close to Jesus, can't go out, take very little, and change people's lives. Or can we? Or can we? If you know somebody that's lonely, could you occasionally call in and have a cup of tea with them? Sounds odd, doesn't it? But I was once very privileged to be roped into delivering food parcels from the food bank. And we went to one, I was just the driver, I was just transport, you know. And I went along as my transport with my food bank representative to this house uh, where there was a mother and three children really struggling. And we bought food bank for her and for the children. And uh, we carried this food in and she said, look, there's nothing in the cupboards. I'm so pleased to see you today. And literally, there was nothing in the cupboards. She said, I'm so pleased to see you. And we said, well, do you want us to take these through to the kitchen? Certainly, that would be lovely. So we did our Tesco delivery driver bit, you know, took the bags, put them in the kitchen. And do you know what she said then that completely floored me? I couldn't work out what my reaction should be. What do you think she said? She was a normal English human being. What was the first question that she asked us? Would you like a cup of tea? Would you like a... And I'm thinking, wait a minute... There's nothing in the cupboards. We've just brought you all this stuff for you to get through the next few days. And the first thing you're doing is giving it away. Do you know what went through my mind? Are you nuts? And we said, oh no, thank you very much. We were very good. No, 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 please have a cup of tea. It's nice to share with someone. Nice to share with someone. It was that easy. And you know what? And I have to say, starting off thinking how virtuous I was and what a great Christian thing I was doing by driving this person with all these food bags in my boot to go to this needy, vulnerable person. I felt so blessed when I came away because of a cup of tea it was just a cup of tea but I was so blessed to see all that God could give if only we put ourselves out a little bit but it's difficult to put ourselves out a little bit isn't it if you think about the reading from Ephesians Paul is saying there in effect right okay because of Jesus Christ in the world because of Jesus Christ, we are all the same now. We're all the same. We've been brought together in Christ. We're all the same. Christ is here to bring peace. Did you notice the word peace in that reading several times, both of you that were awake? Good. Peace, but Christ brings you together. Wherever you are, wherever you're from, no matter what the rules are that a humankind made, 
You're all brought together in Christ. So it's difficult to find the people that aren't like us. Because God says, you're all the same. If you look at a flock of sheep, is anybody a shepherd before I dig a big hole here? Nobody a shepherd? Oh, that's okay then. If you look at a flock of sheep and were asked to count them in a field where they could do whatever they want, could you count them? Without falling asleep, I mean, you know. Have you ever tried to do it? If next time you're out in the countryside and you see a flock of sheep, just remember we had this fantastic sermon on that Sunday and the only thing I can remember is he asked us to count these sheep. If you remember nothing else, count the sheep. Try counting sheep. You know why they say it sends you to sleep? Because they all look the same. You've no idea whether you've just counted this one or whether it was over there a minute ago, whether it moved over here. You've no idea. You just, they just go all over the place and, do, and they all look the same. But if you were the shepherd, would you know which sheep was which? If you're not sure, find a shepherd online, you know, BT, phone book, Yell, Google, local shepherds, and this afternoon, after you've had your lunch and your snooze, ring them up and say, I'm sorry, the preacher in church this morning said, we needed to speak to a shepherd. Would you tell me, do you know all of your sheep individually? But please don't mention my name. And I think you'll find the shepherd says, well, yes, of course I do. Of course I know my sheep. And that's exactly what Jesus says. And God says, I know my sheep individually by name. And it's not just us in here, it's across the whole world, for Jesus draws us together in Christ. So there's a task for us all to recognize the ones who need support as Jesus did when he stepped off that boat with all of the disciples going, I don't believe it, we've just been, we came here to have a bit of peace. Five minutes peace is all I wanted. And for so many centuries, good Christian people have not been able to find themselves five minutes peace. Because the world is like it is. And we will always have something to do. I will have said this before here. I've certainly said it before in other churches. But when it comes to faith in God and we speak about love, love is not a noun. It's a verb. And for those of you who are struggling with the idea of verb, it's a doing word. If you're teaching children, verbs are doing words. It's a doing word. When it comes to the gospel and gospel love, it's a doing word. And that for me, I'm not going to project my failings on you, that for me is one of the most challenging aspects of the gospel. Because so often, 
when I'm called, cajoled, pushed, inveigled, set up by God in a situation, all I want is five minutes peace. And I don't get it. And I'm so pleased that that's the truth of it. For within me, around me, behind me, in front of me, at all times, is Jesus. And in the power of the Holy Spirit, I moved on for his people who are just like me. Who knows? That cup of tea may have done me the world of good. Amen.